Sarah and George Joy Property Podcast. I'm here with my very good friend, Jonathan Burleyand, and let me tell you a few things about him. Um, so he's a multimillionaire and entrepreneur. Um, he started his own business at age eight. No, five. Five, sorry, five. Um, and I mean, that's that's just totally amazing. And um, I think that's an incredible thing. And I know that he's also encourages children to do exactly the same thing. So a car cleaning business, and then use the profits from that to buy your um, your first building at 15 and a half years old. So people You've don't... got a picture of that, George, on the pictures. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, show, I'll show you that. I mean, you know, most people think, oh, you know, I'd be lucky to even buy one at 18. So 15 and a half. So that is just incredible again. So you're, you're a real kind of go-getter. You bought your, your next property at 18. So that was a flat in, in Highgate. Um, and then you got fired from your job and have just been, you know, employing yourself ever, ever since which is amazing. Um, so you haven't even, you know, got a career to get to where you are. You've just, you just built it yourselves. Uh, he's got a, a substantial property portfolio across the UK, France, um, the States. He's collecting over a thousand rents per month. So that is, that's amazing. That's, you know, it's a lot of property. Um, and in terms of being a businessman, you're an amazing businessman, 17 businesses, um, currently fulfilling about 1,200 orders per day, which is just phenomenal. You know, when people are, um, you know, in, in lockdown and worried about not, not um, you know, generating enough business, you're right out there um, really making it happen. And some of the products, in case people don't know, pet hair rollers that you produce. Um, and I, I particularly like the spider poo removers. <laughs> Most people don't even know this kind of thing exists, but it's quite amazing. Um, so you've got a, uh, you know, you've got a, a, an automated robot plant, and I know that you're buying robots at the moment. Um, you've got a private jet, you own boats. Um, and I think, you know, quite a grounded thing that you have is, you know, when, when people get to your kind of status, people think you're, you're swanning around in a Ferrari or Rolls Royce or something like that. Uh, and Jonathan drives a Mini. It's his beloved little Mini. Um, so I'd just like to welcome to the show, Jonathan Burleyand. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, it's hey. great to have you on. Great to have you on. I've been planning to get you on for a long time. So, um, so I just wanted to start. I always like to, you know, educate and inform um, inform my my um, viewers and listeners. Um, and you know, reading is something very important to me. I love to read. Uh, what to kind of you know say one to three books have you either given away the most or you found most um, uh, you know most influence. Uh, to your life? It's a very good question, George. Well, I, <clears throat> I'm going to give you a plug because I'm actually, you actually said to me you've sent me a copy of Stealth Millionaire. I have. So yeah. I am actually quite excited to read that because I enjoyed your first one. And you know I did because I, I loved it. So that's going to be a cracker. I'm looking forward to that one. Generally, I read um, biographies and novels, mm -hmm. which are really interesting. One of my favorite biographies, and I use this, and I reread this book pretty much every year, is a um, long time ago. It's, it's called Billionaire, and it's written by a guy called Ivan Fallon. He used to be, a, I think, the editor of the Daily Telegraph many, many years ago. And it's about the life and times of Sir James Goldsmith. Mm. And I kind of like that story because James Goldsmith was a hero for me. And you don't, you don't find many business people in, of that era being people's heroes, but 
though I had three heroes that really I looked up to and I sort of wanted to emulate. Obviously, James Goldsmith was one of them. Tiny Rowland was number two. I actually borrowed money off him when I started my businesses because um, he was a money lender at night. He couldn't sleep. Mm. He, he actually, um, he was an insomniac. <laughs> so he couldn't sleep. <laughs> he functioned on one hour a night. Um, and I used to make regular trips down to Henley, you know, in the middle of the morning, you know, four o'clock in the morning. Uh, say, excuse me, I need to borrow some more money to put a building up. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was a hero. And the other one who's a big hero for me were, was Gordon White, um, Gordon White of Hanson Industries. So the book on that one is called Hanson. Again, it's by Ivan Fallon. Um, again, another book I read every year. I always pick something out of that. Those two books are my Bibles for everything we've done, businesses we've bought, businesses we've sold, products we've brought on, development products. Um, I should be reading all the modern stuff. I should be reading about uh, Bill Gates and, um, you know, and the Amazon guy, Bezos. But sadly... I'm a bit of a numpty. I kind of read the old stuff because I genuinely <laughs> believe the classics you will learn a lot from and they're, they're well, great. It'll be I recommend them to anyone. <laughs> Look at you now. <laughs> well, thanks for that. That's really good. That's really good. I will definitely check those out. <laughs> um, so one one thing I know which is fair, I'd say fairly unique to you compared to other people that I meet is that you like, I know that you like to fail and you like to break things. And I was just wondering if you could kind of talk us through the, that mentality that you have and what was your, your favourite failure and how did that turn into success? I never enjoyed failures, but I've learned, <laughs> I've learned, I've educated myself over the years to actually enjoy failing because you actually test limits of what you can and you can't do. And I mean, I've been failing since a very early age. I mean, my first one of my biggest failures was my was my biology O level at school, you know, when I was about um, fourteen, because I think I got U, which was in those days it was unclassified beneath ten percent. You know, walked into an O level when you get ten percent. My father he virtually killed me. Right, he went nuts, and it sort of stood me in good stead just to go out and the following year go and do it and get a decent grade and then go back and get an A because I realised I was messing around. You know, that was my first failure. But then we've had numerous failures on route, loads and loads of failures. I mean, I failed when I was buying my first property at 15 and a half. I went to 37, 38 banks to lend me money to buy it because I didn't have the full money. Um, and I got turned down by every single one. So those are failures. Um, and you just keep going on. I mean, and my life has just been one non-stop failure after another, to be brutally honest. <laughs> and the only difference is you've just got to keep going and eventually something, you know, I, I think it's in David Coffield, there was this guy called Mr. McCorber, and he used to say something always turns up and it always, fortunately, if you stick with it and you stay along the game, it turns up. And, um, yeah, my one of my biggest failures, I've got to say, was being fired from my first proper paid-for job. Mm. I mean, I for all my life, I wanted to become a chartered accountant. And I did, my, I did a foundation course, Middlesex Poly in those days. It's now university, but um, in those days, it was, it was a poly. And I did brilliantly. I got 98%. I came second out of 200 people in the year. 
And I went to this small firm of accountants and they didn't think I was as good as my results. And after three months, I got chucked out for incompetence. So I said, I said that's a bit hard. No, I just got, I just got fired. So to be honest, I needed, I needed to do something and um, I didn't know what to do. And I sort of then said to my dad, uh, will you take me on? So he said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> You're not trying. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> I said, well, what are, my op- what are my options? So he said to me, you've got three options. It's very simple. He said, I've spent a fortune on your water skiing all your life. He said, you can become a water ski instructor. And he said, it's a great life. You can go, he said, you're a brilliant water skier. You can go water skiing and do Miami in winter. And you can train them in the south of France in the summer and you'll meet loads of girls. I said, that's great. I love that. He said, but the problem is there. He said, your body will run out at 40. And he said, you won't be able to make money after 40. I said, okay, it doesn't sound so good. What's the next option? So he goes, the next option is um, you're mad about cars. You could go and work and sell cars and become a test driver at one of these new newfangled Formula One teams. I spent a lot of money on your go-karting. Go and do some go-karting. You're brilliant at that. And he said, but the problem is there's another one. You can go and kill yourself. So I don't think your mother would be too happy. I said, what's my third possibility of doing something? He goes, start your own business. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, how do you do that? And he goes, you've done it already. You've got your own car washing business. He said, you employ eight people. He said, you've gone beyond where I thought you would. So you need to just take that as the, as the, as the, sort of stepping stone and just move on. And that's what we did. Yeah. So we've been running a business for a long time. Mm-hmm. So fun, fun, fun. But failure, I don't, I, failure, mate, it doesn't worry me anymore. It's, <laughs> I, I get a, I've had a, fa- I've had a huge failure yesterday. I'm, I'm annoyed as anything over this failure I've got, I've had yesterday. You know, I've, I've built with this particular builder that I've got, who's, you know, he's worked with us. He's worked with Helen, um, does all our design and everything. She found him. He's been wonderful. Um, I mean, he's built over 150 things. Wow. And it's taken the pressure off me to do anything else. So I've, I've been able to do other things, you know, um, in all the different businesses. And that's why they've expanded so well. And he, he announced to everyone yesterday he was parting it's parting of the ways he's had enough and i just can't accept it in my head so i've got to get on from that because that's a big one because we've got coming up one of the biggest opportunities with all this permitted development and i can see just in what we've got at the moment i can see over a hundred again another hundred hundred and fifty permitted development opportunities not of new stuff to acquire but from existing things we own we don't have we don't have to buy anything we've got it here so yeah. i said blimey we're going to go in there yeah so um no it's a bit of a bombshell yesterday actually so you get bombshells all the time yeah um that's life isn't it that's it is, it is. and why did you just thinking back to the, the first property that you bought um what made you want to do that because it's not the typical thing that somebody you know who's not even out of school yet would even consider so how did I, I have I had no choice, George. To be honest with you, I had uh, a very forceful, strong 
parent in the form of my father. And he said, he saw what I was amassing in the bank, Midland Bank, um, the cash. And he said, I would blow it on wine, women and song if I didn't invest it. <laughs> he said, I needed to procure some kind of asset. Otherwise, I was being ejected from the house. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, um, we went walking the streets looking for properties, him and I, over a three, four month period. And we saw this one. This had a for sale board outside. Um, had a couple of dodgy tenants inside it. It had an even dodgier sitting tenant in it. And the normal market value for these kind of properties was 35, 40,000 quid because it's quite a substantial building. But because of all the dodginess surrounding it and all the tenants who weren't paying any money, basically, um, we were able to get it. I, I was able to get an offer secured for 15,000 quid on it. Mm. And the only problem was I had 3,000 in savings and I needed to borrow 11 right. plus all the various expenses, which you can add another grand to say, I needed 12,000. And I got turned down by every bank because they'd never seen a 15 and a half year old borrow money before. It's like a nightmare. So yeah, you, your failure becomes a norm and you just get used to it. And, you, and in the end, I got lucky because Mercantile Credit lent me the money. It was like a giant HP agreement over 15 years. They lent it to me, which was great. Brilliant. That's amazing. <laughs> and that is, uh, you know, that those were pressurized days, believe me. Yeah. So I think it's two, it's two quite pivotal moments, you know, in, in you know, a couple, a couple there in your, in your history and growing up, the starting the car washing business, setting you up as an entrepreneur, buying your first property there, which has now led to so many properties um, and getting fired from your job and thinking, you know, that, that's it. I'm, gonna, that, I'm just going to work for myself now. Um, so that's kind of made you now into the success that you are, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, but it was, they were a rough, um, from 18 to 28, those first 10 years, they were incredibly rough. Right. What, what kind of things happened that was really kind of pulled you down then? Um, living out of vans when you're selling products and doing things. I mean, I got... One of my biggest failures, actually, I, I'd heard there was a, a you wouldn't believe it, but there was a mill, a fabulous mill in, a, in what was then called part of Yugoslavia. It's now known in, as Slovenia. And I drove over from the UK to Slovenia to have a look at it. And I was driving like a nutter through these roads, which had potholed roads, and the car was going boom, boom every time and your back's like killing you and I found this mill and anyway that too had a sell for sale sign on it and I'd say you know I've, I had some businesses running at the time but I wanted there was one product in mind I had I knew I could sell it and I'd got I think I I was fairly confident I could get orders on it it was a tea towel it was a 55 by 70 centimeter tea towel um which it was a great product. There was nothing like it in the market. And I could pick them up for two pence each, literally two to five P on these things. And I knew I could get 50 P for them in those days. So I could do literally in my, in my mind, I thought we could do millions of these. So I stayed for about a week and I negotiated the purchase of half the mill because you could never own more than 49% of anything in Yugoslavia because the government had to, you always had to have a member of the, country be a, be an ownership that's that was like how it used to be in communism you know in those countries so 
we own 49% or 48% or something. And I wasn't interested in that because it, it was irrelevant. It was the fact that the milk produced tea towels for me at a, a massive rate. So I picked my designs, designs arrived. And I said to my dad, this is going to be fabulous. I've got these tea towels coming. I've got, I've got 100,000 tea towels coming. And this huge, massive Pantechnican drives down Talaker Road, which was where my office was and warehouse, storage, whatever. And um, my dad said, Jonathan, get real. There's more than 100,000 tea towels on that lorry. Well, it transpired. He wasn't wrong. <laughs> there were over 400,000 tea towels on that specific lorry. Wow. And the guy who had signed the contract off for me, where I'd signed a nice contract for 100,000 tea towels at 5p or something, or 3p each, um, he put zero on the contract and another zero. So he made my contract 10 million tea towels. <laughs> and then I was told that I had to pay for it. Now, nowadays, I just send the lot back, but I didn't, you know, 18, you don't realize what the recourse, what recourses you have. So I, in my mind, it was a huge fail. I thought, oh God, I went, you know, I went to bed crying. I, I couldn't believe it. But because I was essentially bankrupt uh, with a hundred, you know, 400,000 tea towels at 5p, it's 20 grand, 20 grand. You know, I didn't run around that sort of cash, you know, and, um, I, I resolved to sell them all, which is exactly what I said about doing. And I just went out in a van and a car, just selling, selling, selling. And I got failure after failure after failure. And then I got my first break after about a month and a half. I sold 750,000 details. Wow. And I knew at that point with that order, it was possible to do big numbers. Mm. And then, it, then nothing stopped me because that was it. And that, that was the beginning. And then I managed, uh, by the time I finished, I sold that business and got rid of it. We were selling 10, 12 million tea towels a year at full whack, 50p. And in fact, people might remember if they're as old as me, they'll remember they used to have the PG Tips monkeys and the Brook Bottom PG Tips monkeys on TV. Yeah. And do you remember they had all these lovely monkeys and they used to advertise Typhoon and Brook Bond. And one of them, like, you know, it was this, Poor monkey, it fell off the bike and it goes, can you ride tandem, you know, to this girl, he's pulling her. And they, they used to advertise my tea towels. So these guys, they were my biggest clients. I mean, it was owned by Cadbury, Schweppes and all these other companies, you know, these big Unilevers. And I was selling to these big brands, probably 70% of my big volumes were going into them. And it was, it was a great business. It was a fabulous period, actually. <laughs> and um, that was great. And then, you know, you get failure, success, failure, success, failure, success. Brilliant. And then you think, right, I'm going to get out of this and move on. And that's what you do. You know, we've talked a little bit about property, but um, yeah. I know that during this lockdown, you've been keeping yourself busy doing some different kind of investing. Um, and we've had, a, we've had a brief chat about this, alternative investing. Um, yeah, well, I think it's good for your viewers that. to know that, you know, it doesn't have to be property, George. You can do other specific things. Absolutely. You know, we, we were talking, we could, you know, I've done, I'm interested not only in property. I'm, I'm not a one trick pony in that sense, because I was always taught by, I, I called these people my betters, you know, like Goldsmith, Hanson, all these people. 
they were not one trick ponies. They were masters of the universe and they, they were global in the sense they were able to, they knew everything. They knew marketing, buying, mathematics, um, yield, price dividends, all these stuff. So they, they, their expertise realm from stocks, buying stocks, property. In fact, in many cases, property was a very small part of what they did. It was just pure out and out business. And that's one thing that we've always done. We've always had businesses. So I have friends and we sort of play around on the phone and doing Zoom stuff. And um, during lockdown, because it was, you know, we were just mucking around doing silly stuff. Apart from running the business, you do get, your mind gets tired and you want to play around and do something that you find is fulfilling to you. I mean, apart from, you, you can only cycle, you know, I was going over my hour limit. I was doing two hours a day. It was ridiculous. You know, there's only so many laps you can do of Hampstead Heath you know, laterally, traverse it, going round, going one way, going clockwise, going anti-clockwise. It drives you mad. So, you know, you start playing around on, um, what is it, uh, Facebook marketplace and bits and pieces. And I've been, I've bought, uh, when the stocks went down, I bought a whole load of American rubbish, you know, I bought Amazon, not rubbish, great stuff, Microsoft, um, uh, oh God. Alphabet, which is Google, uh, Tesla, you know, I went for the big American stocks because I thought these guys are no brainers. It's going to go up, and thank God they did. So we bought those. We've been doing. Um, I've I bought a boat in France, a very small one, to ship it with a view of shipping it to the UK when the COVID situation was down because I knew I could sell it. I thought for twice the money. Sadly, it wasn't for twice. We got we made a nice profit on that one. We we shipped it back and sold it literally within five days, which is great. I think we made, we made, it was a JV with someone else I did it. We made 32 grand, we split it each. Um, we've been and doing that a In a month, you said, wasn't it? Yeah, that took a month. That was a month door to door because we were able to bring it back and the, they, the rules became easier to ship it back. So it, it worked well. We've been having good line trading Rolexes, you mm-hmm. know, into trading with people, which yeah. is is great fun. So yeah, we've been playing around because it's, you can do that. You don't need to do it on a big thing like a property. You can actually create the cash flow from something that you are. And I'm not a watch expert. I hate watches, but I, I can see the markets and I can see the anomalies and I just get bang, fancy that. I'll sell that, buy that, sell that. And you can see the anomalies and all of your listeners or viewers can do this themselves. They can Pick something they're really, really interested in. It could be growing food on an allotment, George. Mm. There have been a lot of allotments. We grow our own food at home, and I'm seeing so many people <laughs> with, with food sources, you know, a, a, an abundance. And they've been raising money for the NHS by literally taking this food and selling it outside their front door from the allotment. You know, you can pick. Anything you want to do, it could be fly fishing by J.R. Hartley. It could be, you know, it could be anything you want to do and literally trade it and make a few quid. And that's what your first book, that's why I loved your first book, because cut your bills, cut this down, cut that down, run it down a bit. Um, Great advice, great for saving cash, great for resources and getting that pot together for whatever you want to do with it you know spend it save it invest it yeah it's a great way of doing it and 
it's you know if you've got listeners who want to, who think you know it's only limited to property you know i know for a fact you don't just do property do you it's correct yeah you do stocks yeah you do um bank you That's do good. you know you do lots of things you book writing yeah. you need seven sources of income minimum i would actually say you need more than seven sources yeah uh, is if you can have a 10 or 12 you're doing quite well <laughs> so uh, i'll have to work up to that <laughs> yeah, yeah but you know it's it's great fun to do and also you can you pick a hobby and study it and become an expert in it it's a bit like mastermind you just yeah. become an expert so the subject given that you said you don't you don't really have an interest in watches um yeah. how did you get to learn so you're buying a certain type of watch how are you getting to learn about this watch and uh, you know what kind of process did you did you go through so that you didn't make a mistake. I, I looked, I asked questions with people who've got things that I admired them. I looked and said, that's very nice. What do you do with that? And they used to tell me the tricks of the trade because they knew I wasn't a trader. Right. So how do you do that? How do you do that? Would you do that? You do that. And then I suddenly started spotting anomalies. And then I went on. Um, I think one of the bosses of Progressive is into this. And he did a he did about four hours, four hours on um on his podcast, I think over a selected period of time about what you buy, what you do. And I kind of got interested in it. And then I went to one of their events and they were talking about it and I became kind of interested. And I thought, this looks quite interesting. And, you know, I, I, you play for, it's like stocks and shares. You put a stop loss in on a stock so you don't lose your shirt if the market falls. Similarly, you buy a safe product. You don't go in big, all guns blazing. You start small and then you sort of, you build up your confidence. It's all about building up your confidence level. Mm. You know? um, it's, it's good fun. I, I even did um, car washing during COVID for old people, just for fun. And I gave it to them for free. Oh. Because, um, you know, the car washers weren't around and their cars were getting a bit black. So I said, do that, no problem. Wash mm. your car. Wow. Can I pay you, young man? <laughs> Love the young man bit. Yeah. Um, but no, it's on the house. Have that. <laughs> well, that must make you feel good. <laughs> um, thinking about just property investing in general, what would you say is the kind of the, the worst, the worst pieces of advice that you see out there? Just in general, something that comes up again and again. And you think, oh, that's just rubbish. Why do people believe that? That's a very good question, George. Jesus, that's hard. Sorry. I wish you, I wish you, I wish we can come back to these, that. I wish, you'd give me, I wish you'd give me a list of these questions because you're, you're hitting me because there's so many. There's so many. Look, I'll tell you what annoys me the most in property. I'm going to be quite straight. So many of the people in property training don't actually do it. They buy one unit. They do one lease option. They do one BRR, buy, refurbish, refinance. They do one RBRR, remote, buy, furbish, refinance. They do one or two of something and they think they're a master of it and they think, wow, you know, that's it. And they've done it for about two minutes and then suddenly they do a training course on it. This is what annoys me. So when you say about training, you've got to know who you are learning from. You've got to know who is an expert and who is not an expert. How long have they done this for? How, what's their balance sheet like? Yeah, I think, you know, if you're going to train, you should be, you know, primarily an investor first, shouldn't you? 
Yeah, I think, to be honest, there's so many people who are just training and trying to do that as a business because it makes more money, theoretically. No, I think they train. They don't have a clue what they're doing. They think they're good, but they're not. And I follow who I think are really good people. And I would say to you, watch the people like a hawk in what they do, because there is so much, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on here, but there's so much bullshit in in, in that commodity space of training that I think it's an over-exaggerated, over-hyped scenario. And you've got to have quality people, quality people who have ethics. And for me, my ethic, my personal philosophy is, I have, and we discussed it the other day, and you know it, it's don't mug a granny policy. You know, I don't want to get a deal off somebody and drive them into the ground to do it because it's not my way. I'm not interested. I'm not, I'm not that desperate. I don't need to do that, to hurt, which is going to hurt someone and inflict damage. It's not my way. But there are so many greedy, unscrupulous individuals who go and they want to mug a granny and they literally bombard them with phone calls, bombard them with emails. Not they get emails, but you know, they just knock on their door and cause them so much stress. And that's not my way of doing property. My way of doing property is know your game, know the price you're going to offer. I have rules I function by, which I have evolved over the last 30 years. I use very, very technical rules when we're buying. People don't understand how I can make an offer literally within five minutes of either seeing a property or seeing it mathematically on a piece of paper, subject to due diligence. I can make an offer like that. And funny enough, there's one other fellow I've met who's actually capable of doing the same thing. In fact, there's two others I know who can do that. Uh, UK and there's one American who's super. You know, he's got 9,000 apartments. Mm. Um, Super training company, but he's very, very adept at this. He is super. And I would say to anybody out there, don't believe the bullshit you hear. Do your due diligence yourself about your trainers. You know, they are not as genuine in many of the cases. And I say, you know, use Pareto's law, 80 20. 80-20, 80% of them will be charlatans. 20% will probably, maybe less, genuine. You're a genuine person. I know your wife's genuine. I know a lot of the people who you work with are genuine people. There are some people you work with, you know, we all know who they are who are lovely people, but there are some people who lack ethics. And I don't like to work with people like that, you know, and I won't mug a granny and it's my policy. And I'd rather give the granny the money because it's not, because I believe in karma, mate, like you do and your wife, because what goes around comes around. And I want to put more good in the world than bad. My mission is to help people, not to nick money off them. Because, you know, even if I was younger and I was starting out again or I was running a car cleaning business, I wouldn't want to just finish the car and not put a good shine on it or leave a bit of wax on. I want them to come away with the finest product so they come back to me again. They're always going to use me as a customer base. That's the basis on which we do it. I want to help people. I don't want to, I don't want to get a bad reputation and you know, have, have the, if you go on my website, and I, I'm not going to have I'm not doing this to advertise, but if you go on, I manufacture, you mentioned pet rollers, which I do. Yeah. If you want to see, am I allowed to just mention it so they can see yeah. it? Because 
Yeah. If you go onto my website, which is carouseldirect.com, don't ask me about the name. It's a pain in the ass because it's obscure selling, but it's www.carousel.com. We sell in our range, there's 3,000 products. Look at our Trustpilot reviews. Look at what it says. Full money back guarantee. I have a, I have a personal philosophy. If somebody sells you a course, you don't like it, and they refuse to give you a money back guarantee and will not refund it, and use the small print and say, two weeks, you're past that, you can't have your money back, or four weeks, can't have your money back, you, you have an answer. Because I have to give refunds on moth repellents and pet rolls. If somebody doesn't like them, we give them the full money back, because I only want happy bunnies in my customer. That's the whole basis on which I've ever cleaned a car, sold a tea towel, sold an aircraft, yeah. chartered a boat, done anything. It's clean business. And unfortunately, nowadays, there's too many charlatans and bandits out there. And I, I urge people strongly to just look out for them because, you know, we say, I don't train people. I don't have a training business. I just do it because I actually have the fun in doing it. Yeah. I don't have a mastermind because I haven't got the patience for it. I'd be useless at it. I mean, how many times has it taken you to get me down here to, to do this? Because you've got to tie me down, basically, haven't you, normally? Yeah, I don't know. I spent, I spent an afternoon in your office, and uh, that was really good. That some, was fun, wasn't it? You had some great insights. We all Did you it. learn anything there, or you knew, knew it all before? No, no, your your yeah, your your mind just I'd love to pick more out of it. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. That's it. Um, so you know, one thing I quite often hear from the people that are kind of new to property is they get say one buy to let and then they think, right, now that's it, I'm going for this stonking big deal, and I'm going for a bigger deal, and I'm going for a bigger deal. What is your advice to people about that? Well, you and I heard it in my office, didn't we? There were about three of them wanted to go in for these huge deals, 50, 60 flats. Mm. Don't do it. Get 10 of these BRRs, buy, refurbish, refinance, or just simple buy-to-lets under your belt, run them, manage them, get the rents in, and then ring you up on how to go further. Because truthfully, mm. they, they're walking. There's a, there's a saying. Um, you've got to walk before you can run. If you can't walk for 10, you're definitely not going to be able to run in the game of 50 because you will come across it. Even if you build them, you then won't have the systems deployed and the management structure to rent them out. Whereas with, I believe, having 10 units minimum, in fact, some people go into the hundreds before they go into these big developments. Yeah. Don't do big. It will kill you. Yeah. And the other thing I feel very strongly about is when people take JV finance from other people and they haven't got a clue what they're doing because they've got to be very, very sound on their ethics and abilities before they take some poor sod's money, pardon the expression, and push it down the toilet because they have got inexperience and they've never done it. So would you put your money with a guy who put, forgive me, one or two buy-to-lets up? No. I wouldn't. No. I had, a, I had a text today, this morning. I get texts every day from ridiculous things where people don't understand. They go, oh, I want a source for you. 
I want to do this for you. I want to do that. I say, what training have you had? None. Mm. That be sourced. Yeah. You've got to be in a position where you're doing it yeah. to even understand sourcing because sourcing is not about just putting three to five grand on a deal. It's about understanding the deal's any good to start with because it's got to be it's got to be run the parameters of risk where you would actually invest in it yourself. And because you haven't got enough money to do it, you're outsourcing it for someone else. That's proper sourcing. Not just put a grand on the deal and just chuck it out and it's concrete and, you know, you can't get a mortgage on it. Oh, sorry. I've got to tell you, it's got concrete in it. Can't do that. Yeah. You've got to be I mean, ethical about it. There are, there are a lot of sources out there that are completely brand new to property. They haven't got any, any property whatsoever and they're sourcing and they've never even done a viewing on a house before. Or, Correct. And you just think, well, how would they notice all the things, you know? I mean, I'm not a surveyor, but I've seen enough, enough problems in houses that we've bought before that you'd recognise some of these things straight away, like damp and so on, and cracks yeah. down the walls, whereas someone completely new, they just wouldn't, wouldn't even see that at all, would it? Um, and then possibly, you, you don't disagree with me, George, on that one? No, I completely agree with you on that. Completely agree. Sourcing. <clears throat> I wouldn't buy off a saucer. The saucer has got to be known to me. They've got to have, I've got to know that saucer. I've got to know the saucer's track record. I've got to know how they think. I've got to understand their abilities. So I am confident that deal is going to make, it's going to actually work. Mm. That's the thing. I've got a guy who works in my business and he's, he runs our in-house letting agency. I let him run his own business, but he's, he's equivalent of an in-house letting agency. And I wouldn't look at anything from him for at least four years because he had to, he had to learn my mind mm. and the way I think. And then he came to me, unfortunately, just prior to COVID with the most magnificent deal. <laughs> and, um, you know, we'll, we'll do it, but it's further down the line. It just means we'll, we'll pay a bit less for it, but it's not in a nasty way. It's just, it's worthless in this market. And it will be, and you know, the deals are not now. The, the good deals will be in a year's time or nine months' time. You know, there's so many people trying to spend money just because they're worried. Don't. Hold on to your cash. Yeah. Cash is good. Yes. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Just because you're getting 0% interest in the bank, you never were. Hold yeah. it. Yeah. Then well, use it. What would you so? You know, a lot of people um, are stockpiling cash at the moment for two reasons. One, they think it's going to be a housing market crash. They want to be ready to act on it when it happens. Uh, and the other one is that, you know, they're concerned about their own financial stability. Um, if the economy goes down the toilet and, you know, they get redundant and so on. So they're trying to keep hold of cash. Uh, and given that interest rates are, you know, very low in the bank, um, what would you suggest that they do their money so that they can, you know, can still get hold of it? That it's not, for example, say in the stock market where suddenly if it fluctuates and you need to get hold of it, you now can't use it and you need it in an emergency. What, what, what's your kind of advice on that? And, and I guess there'd be different time periods, wouldn't there? Perhaps things that are one month and six months and so on. Well, firstly, it depends on the amounts. But let's assume for, the, for argument's sake, it's we'll do two levels. We'll do above 85 grand and below 85 grand. If you've got 80 grand or 85 grand, you want to keep about 20 aside, depending on your needs. For yourself in a current account so you've got it and then the rest you just stick it across probably two different entities maybe national savings one percent 1.2 percent if someone offers you more than one percent worry <laughs> if you if you've not heard of them mm. worry right i know some people have done incredibly well on peer-to-peer -peer lending 
And I know a lot of people have used their cash and they're getting a really healthy return of about 10 to 12% per annum on peer-to-peer lending, you know, short-term debt financing. But I think that's, in some cases, some have lost money on that. Um, So I wouldn't recommend it. I've lost money on it, where it said expected return would be 8% and, and it lost money. I wouldn't recommend that. I would say keep the money and don't panic. Just keep it safe and split it out between the banks. Don't put it with a secure, uh, with anything other than the secure institution. Um, you know, like this, this German one that went broke, because you don't know who's going to go next. Yeah. There's going to be, you know, into who would have thought the, the one of the biggest shopping center owners was going to go broke yeah. like it has. And only 15% of commercial rents are going to be collected. It's, it's, it's Armageddon. Mm. So, to put your money out and just spend it when you may need it for a rainy day, I would suggest you don't do that. I would say get good at trading something and make profits from home yeah. by learning something that you love. Mm. As I said, you know, it could be a watch, it could be stamps, it could be car cleaning, it could be this. And try and just keep chucking the money in. Mm. Because I would never risk, you know, don't base your life on interest because I looked um last month of what my 95 year old mother was getting in bank interest and i think she earned on quite a significant chunk of money one pound 26 last month She's like 0.1 percent i looked at that and i thought wow nice <laughs> you know and, and old and an old people you know in 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 10 years ago 15 years ago that that money that she would have earned on that would have been at least 50 60 grand 50, 60,000 quid, an old person with decent savings yeah. now getting £1.26 last month. Wow. Ridiculous. So what I'm suggesting, you need ultimately other sources, but you need to protect it yeah. because this is only the beginning. Mm-hmm. I've lived through, I'm in my seventh recession now because I'm old and I'm learning every day. I'm a student of these recessions and these times and you've got to pick the right person who's going to get you through that recession by listening to whether you believe their advice or you don't for every decent person out there you will find there's a thousand who want to take your money spend your money put it into some rubbish investment scheme when the best scheme you can do is just sometimes keep it in the bank keep it there oh what if the bank goes well what if the currency goes down? What if this goes down? If you, the safest bet you can make, and if you really want to take your money, is just put some of your money in dollars, some of your money in uh, euros, and some of your money in sterling. I don't think you can go wrong on that. Because the interesting thing is, if the pound falls, you make a profit. If the pound, pound rises, you still make a profit. I, I really believe in hedging your bets. And I, and I think there's no one knows, least of all me, and anyone who says they do hasn't got a clue mm. because, you know, is, is Bitcoin the new answer? Might be. Mm. <laughs> Not touching what it at the moment. <laughs> so, you see what I'm saying? It's just, yeah. it's better to look at your own expenses at home and just say, right, how much can I take off this? And in fact, read your book again. Yeah. Read George's book again if you want to save a few quid. Go back on it. It's really useful. Go on to MSE, moneysavingexpert.com. Go and run your gas bill through. Go and run your electricity bill through. 
go and look at your rates bill. If they've overcharged you, they may have, they may have valued your home incorrectly. You may be in the wrong band. Yeah. Um, see if there's any grants you're able to get. See if there's any money you're able to get. If you're looking after a person in your family that you're caring for or whatever during lockdown, you're entitled to money from the state. There's all these things. Get that. That's better money for yeah. you than, than worrying about your investment. Just keep your money free to to access when you need it for a deal or something that comes along. But look at the probity and the honesty of the person who's, you know, trying to sell you the snake oil. Because in America, in the Wild West, because we have the equivalent of what they used to have in the Wild West, you know, we, you know, America, it's all guns and gunslingers in the 1800s and 1870s. We've got, you know, they had these slippery snake oil salesman who was selling something that never existed but we've got the same thing now it's just it's just in a different guise yeah. so be very very careful what you what you do out there i would uh it worries me looking at some of the schemes out there mm. grow your own plants it's it's very therapeutic it's fit as george will say it gets you fit getting in your hands and knees and yeah. digging up the ground get an allotment do you know allotment is one of the best investments you'll make do you know what we pay for that allotment no. 20 quid a year for like two giant pieces yeah. of, of land. Wow. That's we crazy. make we make everything literally in-house. We don't we don't we don't buy really, we don't have big grocery bills because we cook from the produce. Yeah. It's often a lot. And it's healthy. It I like to think so. spray it with. <laughs> I, I worry. I worry about the. I worry about the foxes peeing in my allotment. I really do, George. That's natural. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know, you got to wash it off, but that's yeah, it. that's it. it's good. Yeah, it's quite good. But um, no, stay healthy and listen to George. Because one thing I would say, I've known George now. How many years? I know, only three years. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, three yeah. years. Yeah. I've known George for three years and I can generally assess people if I like them, if I don't, if I think they're genuine and stuff. And I, I see a lot of people through that same place that we met. And George is one of the good guys and so too is his wife. And I would honestly say to you, if you need advice, he's a good guy to go to. And he does what I don't do because he trains people. I, couldn't, I haven't got the patience. I like to do deals. But George is, he's written a great book. We've, we've been going to hell and back this country. Yeah. You know, the whole world. And we, that book is perfect for this world. Don't you think? Well, there's some great stuff in the Stealth Millionaire one. We've got the two I'm together. excited. I'm excited. I enjoy it. I, I made sure that they were completely separate. So you could buy both and learn from both. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's very, very applicable to what they're on there. So I think you're going to. You'll have to tell me afterwards once you've read it. I love it. No, I love it. I love it. I mean, the only thing I couldn't do from your first book, I'm going to be quite straight with you. Okay, go on then. I'm going to be quite straight. I like everything you do in that book, but there's one thing you won't catch me doing. Okay, what's that? I do like my old Ralph Lauren shirt because I think he makes very good shirts. And I do tend to buy Ralph Lauren shirts because they kind of, they last a long time. Mm I don't get the holes in the sleeves the same way. Yeah. And, you know, they last pretty much forever. Yeah. They're really good shirts. So, but apart from that, you're absolutely right on everything you say in the book. Yeah. Well, I, I did a, a section on buying, on, on being frugal and defining that as buying value. 
Yeah, so value's pay, good. Your shirt would count as value. So and the other one is is um, go as well. I think I think this is great. Is I've seen, you know, under lockdown, huge rise in vintage. Vintage is massive now, and I think vintage is great if you can mix modern with vintage. It's mm. really good because there's a lot of value in there. There's a lot of ladies and gents who like classic stuff. You go into the vintage shops; it's really good. You can make good stuff out of that. And the other thing is that you know the vintage stuff can be timeless, can't it? So yeah, it's not going to go in and out. Absolutely, absolutely, and. If you recondition it, because some of these places you can recondition it, mm. um, you've got a brand, you've got a product for forever, which has cost you a fraction of the original cost. Yeah. And the other person who's bought it has done has done the damage, mm. and you've bought it intelligently, and you've also got residual asset value in that product. Yeah. Don't you agree? Very smart. What would you say to people wondering whether they should try and become an entrepreneur? You know, say someone just kind of leaving leaving school, would you advise them to do what you did and leave school and then just sit up in business? Or do you think, you know, you've got you've got you've got children young, you know, children of your own. Um, what did you say to them when uh, when they reached um, when they left school? Gave them a sponge, gave them a bottle of, bottle of fairy liquid and a bucket and a chamois. <laughs> now I would vary it and I would do the the bucket that I would do the bucket, I would do the synthetic chamois that's better right. because it lasts longer. Yeah, and still do the same thing, and I probably do a bit of car treatment to, to give it a nice, nicer finish than we used to do in my time. But yeah, start off, get going, and as that Mister Miyagi said in um, Karate Kid, wax on, <laughs> wax off, wax on, wax off. Favorite film. Because it says it's true because you've got to get good at waxing off, got to get good at waxing off. Yeah. And it's the story of life. Yes. Hell, go for it. If you want to be a yachtsman, a pilot, um, scuba diver, you want to have a life that is not limiting in the sense of waiting for a paycheck and you create your own paycheck, take a risk. Definitely. Yeah. And what I would say is learn to market and sell. What's your favorite um, favorite source for, say, marketing and selling? There's so much stuff out there on um, on YouTube. I think YouTube is a wonderful place to learn. And if you want to learn marketing, go onto YouTube yeah. and do it for free. And then if you find there's someone who you can actually learn off, you actually enjoy what they do, and you 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 think they've got structure to what they do. Pick on that person, try. If it fails, move on to someone else. That's what I'm saying about failure. If you don't enjoy it, move on to someone else. You know, don't become, become a kind of dilettante. We just go, I'll go from this one to that one to this one to that one, like they do, like they all do. Yeah. You know, pick someone and stick with him, but or her or whatever. It could be a lady. Um, in fact, some of the best marketers are women actually. They're fantastic. <laughs> um, so yeah, I learned from one particular gentleman because I didn't understand what marketing was. Marketing is getting the people to come into your shop. Selling is about once they're in that shop, selling the products to them. So in other words, if it's e-commerce, which is what we do, marketing is getting the customers to come to your site and getting them excited, getting all your discount codes in so they can do it. Selling 
is about creating a beautiful systemized approach so they can buy it and they have trouble-free service and it comes in and they're happy and they get it the next day or the day after that and they are thrilled and then you email them and they give you a wonderful trust pilot review and if you if you don't if they don't like it for some reason get on the phone ring them up make sure you do everything possible to make sure that that customer is satisfied because even if they buy a, a one pound two pound fifty bag clip because you asked me when we spoke what i think was it was it you asked me what my best sellers were the last uh thing yeah, we're talking about yeah mm-hmm. yeah one of my best sellers throughout lockdown has been it's been the most ridiculous thing it's been a little it's unique to us it's a carousel bag clip and you just literally you can lock the bag you put this thing little plastic thing around you twist it and it's not metal you can reuse it as many times as you can you can wash it in the dishwasher you can wash it you know in soap and water. It's the most fantastic product. And people are just going bang, 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 and buying this because obviously they're saving the food, they're freezing it. It's a very simple thing. It's not one of these clunky products you find. You'll click this here, put yeah. this here, put this battery in it, seal this. <laughs> it's it's nothing like that. This is this is a simple little product. You know, it's one pound fifty, two pound. They buy it. And you know, people are buying them in 20s and 30s and 50s. And I'm getting customers from all over the, the globe. I've had Customers come from um, as far afield, actually, as Australia and New Zealand, buying these bag clips from us because they they say they they're completely unique. So it's about marketing, and they say well, it's so lovely. We're going to buy everything from you from now on, and that's about fulfilling the customer dream. So marketing was getting them there to start with. Yeah. Selling is making the system happy, and they're happy even if we go insane and deliver the wrong order because someone's watching the wrong screen yeah we've got to be in a position where we can put that right so if you could get a message out to the world well, yeah. what, what would you so let's say we're going to oh this is one of george's crazy questions again <laughs> wow um my greatest <laughs> message to the world would be come to a british company called carouseldirect.com because we make most of our stuff in the uk I don't buy a lot of it from China because we make it here because we're proud to be British. I'm proud of every product that goes through our portal and our door. I'm proud of the buildings we put up and we construct. I'm proud of all the tenants that pay us rent because it means we're doing something right. And if I'm being honest with you, I would say to you, Watch out for the charlatans because there are so many dodgy people out there that come in from with the social media that you've now got available to you. They will come in your phone. They'll come in your email. They'll come in your Facebook feed. They'll come in your LinkedIn. They'll come in your literally any feed possible. And just watch out because there's a lot of bandits out there. They want your money and it's not nice. These people are here today, gone tomorrow merchants. And I just, I'm not mad on that. It's, it's part of life that I'm not crazy about. And can't wait for the Formula One to start. That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Good. So if, if people, I'll put a link to your website in the, uh, in the description. Yeah. Um, if people yeah. want to follow you or get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Look, to, to be honest with you, I can't imagine anyone would want to speak to me. But um, if they do... Uh, they can join me on Facebook, 
and just say, George and Sarah or George, Sarah or whatever. And I will know who you are because I don't know because we don't accept everybody. The other thing is they can just, um, they can email me at um, carouseldirect.com. Say hello, Jonathan. I think what you do is great. And I love your books. I, well, books so far. I'm, looking, I'm excited about the second one. And I've seen you grow in the last three years. And thank you, la- ladies and gentlemen, George has grown as a person. He's grown his knowledge base. He's grown his skill set. And I admire what he's done because he's actually created. He's not paid me to say this or do anything like this. And I like the way George and Sarah have done it their way. And for me, that is, it's an honor to be on your program. And thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I hope we haven't bored you today. If we have, please tell George and he'll cast me adrift. <laughs> thank you. It's, it's always a pleasure talking with you, Jonathan. Has uh, it been fun? and um just say goodbye goodbye to everyone please subscribe and i'll speak to you next week please subscribe to george's channel folks it's great